You are listening to Stand Out on LinkedIn, indispensable truths, tools, and tips, a show designed specifically to help you stand out. I'm Colleen McKenna, your host. I'm the author of It's Business, Not Social, and a longtime blogger, speaker, LinkedIn trainer, and coach. It's Business Not Social is our philosophy and method designed to help you stand out on LinkedIn. This podcast is for everyone looking to maximize their brand, network, career, and business initiatives. Meaning, finding a job, hiring, selling, and marketing. That pretty much includes most people. I will be talking with the experts on our Intero advisory team, outside experts whose insight I value, and sometimes it might just be me. Whatever the format, the goal is to get you closer to gaining traction and being a standout on LinkedIn. Let's dive in. Welcome to Stand Out on LinkedIn, indispensable truths, tools, and tips. I'm Colleen, your host. Stand Out on LinkedIn is brought to you by Intero Advisory, the leader in LinkedIn branding, sales, and recruiting enablement. Today, Jim and I are talking about followers, a really important topic and sometimes slightly confused with connections. First, for those of you who don't know Jim Cusick, he's our Director of Digital Enablement and works directly with our clients on building their brand, business development, and recruiting strategies. Part of that strategy inevitably talking involves talking with clients about their networks. He also loves the outdoors, listening to podcasts, thinking critically, solving problems, and he loves puppies. Jim, this is one of my favorite topics. We talk about this a lot at Intero, connections and followers. As a LinkedIn trainer and coach, I have one of the smallest networks. We'll talk about that more a little bit later. But Jim, let's dive in. First, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Colleen? I am doing well. Love this topic. First, Jim, explain the difference between connections and followers to frame our conversation better. Yeah, so we're always talking about networks, and that's networks on LinkedIn or your extended network off of LinkedIn. But when someone on LinkedIn who is not a, a power user is looking at connections and followers, they're typically almost one and the same. Now, there's ways you could change your connect button to a follow button to get more followers, drive people to click that before they go and click connect. If you are somebody who shares a lot of content, you may have people who just follow you, but they don't connect with you. And the other way is you may have people that are connected with you that unfollow you uh, because maybe they're trying to get a tighter feed on what they see, or they just don't resonate with the content doesn't resonate with them and they they don't want to see it. So when we're looking at connections versus followers, most people, when they look at their profile, it's going to be almost equal, but they're very different. Yeah, it's really true. Sometimes people will say, how did I get so many followers? I'm like, well, all of your connections become followers, but not all of your followers become connections. So really important to distinguish that. However, to your point, somebody can still remain connected to you and unfollow you. We don't necessarily want that though. So let's look at the anatomy of followers. Who should be among your connections and then who should be among your followers? And maybe they're the same. So let's talk about that. When you're looking at, well, I guess let's let's flip it back to you, Colleen. If you're talking to somebody and they say, how, how should I set up my connections, my network on LinkedIn? What would be like three high level things that you would tell everybody they would want in their network? I want clients, 
prospects and centers of influence. Pretty simple. And that applies to everybody, no matter the, the business. A lot of times you hear like, oh, LinkedIn's more of a B2B platform. We know a ton of B2C companies and individuals that really crush it and do well on the platform. So don't look at it that way. When you're really looking at that strategic network and who you would want to get to follow you when you get to that level of engagement, you you need to understand what my, my goals are with LinkedIn. If your goals are to just use LinkedIn mainly as a good spot for, for branding, I know people are going to vet my company, but I only want to use it for really hiring purposes. Who are you connected to? Who are you inviting to follow you? That And when I say inviting you to follow you, that would be a, a more on the company page side. But strategically, that when you post something that is that job, that is that hiring fair coming up, that it gets in front of those people that are actually your target future employees. So you got to think, you got to reverse engineer. We talk a lot about reverse engineering. Start with that goal and work your way back into what your network would want to be. It could be connecting with someone that you would never hire but they have a network of full of people that you would hire. So in that scenario, filling it with people in industry leaders, um, people in your area that are in common industries, strategic partnerships, vendors, that type of thing. From a business development standpoint, you really want to look at how can I get, we can get deep into centers of influence, but how can I get quick connections that are meaningful that will help me with my business goals might be people that would share and like content um, realtors, if you're in some sort of home type industry, connecting with realtors because they're not going to want to, and I'm generalizing, but most likely they're not going to be on LinkedIn creating content, but they're going to be sharing content. Um, so if you're in that home provider market, realtors are great people to connect with um, to have in your network and start to build that relationship. Yeah, you brought up a really good point that I want to make sure we distinguish, which is on your LinkedIn profile as an individual, you have connections and you can have followers. And you mentioned the company page. On the company page, you only have followers, right? So there's followers from to your company page and then also on your individual profile. So we always wanna make sure we're distinguishing because there's really some different um, tactics you can take to increase these in each of these areas. Right, Jim? Spot on. And they typically you see that followers of individuals at a company have it's either 10 times more connections or followers than that company page has so you want to look at strategies to leverage both the company page followers but also really leverage those organic networks one of the best things that i think linkedin has done in a long time and we have definitely used it and i'm a big proponent of it especially when marketing clients say we need to increase our followers to our company page. Well, you've got to use the individual people in your company, use their network and invite them to follow the company page. So this is a new feature on a LinkedIn company page for admins to invite first level connections. And we have topics on this um, on blog posts and a couple of tutorials on this on our site and in inside. But I think that's really important. I think LinkedIn certainly understands the value of an individual network. And sometimes I think companies underestimate the value of their employees' networks. Yes. And to, to follow up on that, we, we do see a lot of people who, who get suggestions about, we really need to grow our following. We need to have 10,000 followers. Um, 
And I know at the beginning you touched around the size of your network compared to the other LinkedIn trainers and coaches, but I had someone ask me the other day, well, why would I want you to help me with my company page? Intera only has 1,300 followers. Um, and I said, well, we have 1,300 highly engaged followers on our company page. And if we're framing it as uh, just in a hypothetical scenario, a company that has, and I'm just, instead of using a, I'll just use a, like, I like dogs. So I'll use my, my dog has a, a dog treat manufacturing company, uh, Chief Dog Treats. And then my other dog has a dog treat manufacturing company called Trigger's Dog Treats. One has 100 followers, that's Chief. One has 10,000, that's Trigger. Trigger knows none of her followers. They don't know her. She she paid someone to, to help her get a ton of followers quickly. She sent, she put out a lot of fun puppy images on LinkedIn that people liked and and followed along with, but they weren't really um, tangible things and they're not her target audience. When Chief's Dog Treats has 100 highly engaged, and we're not talking about LinkedIn power users, people who are constantly liking, sharing, commenting on LinkedIn all day long. The average person's on LinkedIn 17 minutes a week. However, that following as in highly engaged, is there the right types of people? They know the right types of people. And when they do engage, it's really important. So if we look at those two scenarios, even though you'd say, wow, Trigger has 10,000 followers, she's doing really well on her um, LinkedIn company page, it would actually in practicality be that chief with 100 followers is getting more out of it. Um, so using that little, little comparison there, it really doesn't matter how many followers you have as long as you have that highly engaged following. Would you agree, Colleen? Mm -hmm. So what I'm hearing you say is social influence doesn't come by the numbers. It comes by the engagement. It's so easy to get wrapped up in those vanity metrics. It's too easy. Uh, that's why a different platform, Instagram, did away with um, showing certain, and I'm not as familiar with LinkedIn, Instagram as I am with LinkedIn, but they did away with certain features, certain vanity metrics that people see um, as far as likes and, and things like that. And it's really not important to get those likes. You could have, if we take that dog treat manufacturer scenario, Trigger could have 600 other dog treat manufacturers all over the country liking her content and commenting back and forth. And you go, great job, Trigger. But that's not getting it out to the right people. That's not showing her as a, a thought leader um, where Chief's consistently putting out good content and nurturing those 100 followers. Yeah, this comes up in lots of different ways. And, you know, when I'm training and I'm looking at who's going to be in the audience very often, I'll see one or two people who might have 10, 15, 20,000 people in their network. And inevitably, I would say the majority of the time when I have a one-to-one -one with those folks, they're like, yeah, I actually don't know anybody. And somebody called me about a year ago and they said, I need three new clients. This person was connected to over 23,000 people. And my question was, you don't think you have three potential prospects that are actually qualified in all of those 23,000? That seems kind of crazy to me. He did, number one, really wasn't certain of even how to understand his network and look at his network in a way that could tell him whether he might have three potential prospects. So just connecting for the sake of connecting um, is probably not going to get you to that revenue that you're looking to get to. Yeah, it's, I, if you look at, so in our previous podcast, we were talking about content. So if I share, say I've done a, a really good job, I've cultivated a, a decent network um, that I can rely on. I know where I can go. 
and I'm sharing things, but all of a sudden, because I'm connected, I did one thing where I connected with 200 random people in New York City, small connection, they all follow me, and I post something, and just so happens that all those people up in New York start liking and, and sharing my post, which is great, but I'm looking to hire someone locally in Baltimore. If I go and I look at the view of that post, I'm going to see, because all those people in New York City like that and shared that post, it's going out to their networks. It's moving its target up into New York. I'm going to see 250 views in New York and 30 in Baltimore. And I, I'm, gonna, I'm not even hitting my target audience. So if you don't, and not to say doing business across multiple states doesn't make sense, but if you're not building it intentionally, you're going to lose out down the road, especially when you're looking at it from a hiring perspective. If people are, and they, they might be trying to help you out by liking and sharing it, but it takes it out of the, out of the area. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And most people are not paying attention to this. They're just so excited to have, wow, I got so many views on this, or I got so much, um, you know, so many likes that they're not going deeper and understanding what's happening with that post. If you don't mind, I'd love for you to share the post you um, so very generously posted about its business, not social a few days ago. Can you just share what happened with that post, Jim? Because we were we were talking about it last week and it was kind of interesting to see what's happened with it. Yeah, so it's a interesting case study into what I just described because I, I shared the post from our company page about Colleen's book. And sure, I had a couple of people in my network um, that are, we have commonalities between our networks, Colleen, like and share it. But really it was more of, the people that just started to like and share it, that we have commonalities, their connections, who are also connections of yours, started to like and share it. So it took this post of mine that I reshared and has taken it, it's probably now got close to 2,000 views and pulling it up now, but it's taken this post completely out of my network and it's being seen by all these other individuals, which still is good, but typically my posts stay in Baltimore because um, most of my network is local. It stays with people that I used to work with and within our customer base. But this has gone all the way out and it's been liked and shared by all these people that I don't know, all these second level connections. And it's getting, it basically, in a good way, hijacked my post and shown it to this whole new audience. And what the, the case study is to learn from is if you're trying to build organically through LinkedIn and you get that engagement, but you're sharing things that are relevant, this is an easy way. I, I got some new connections out of it that people just reaching out and saying, hey, I worked with Colleen a couple of years ago, would love to connect. So if you apply that to your own business or your, yourself, that's how you can get an organic network that makes sense that you can start to leverage just from posting. And if you're sharing other people's content and they're sharing your content, you're, you're just getting in front of new people. And I've had probably two, oh, maybe two dozen um, comments and quick exchanges with people through LinkedIn relevant to that post. So we've got to help one another get it out there. We have to have people who engage with our posts, but it really does need to be relevant that these posts need to not be pitching. So the way you framed the post was important. You can call some things out, which was really terrific. And from there, um, it was able to get some traction. 
you know, one of the things, uh, and, you know, obviously I've been posting on LinkedIn a lot, and I don't always like to say, do what we're doing exactly, because we, we should be getting success on LinkedIn. This is what we do every single day. So when I, when I hear some LinkedIn trainers and coaches really say, you know, do, do all these things, it's different. The results that we get should be somewhat different than somebody who's brand new to LinkedIn. I've been using LinkedIn for a very long time. So you, you, you know, I do want to be mindful of that. So take this and put it through the lens of your level of proficiency and time on LinkedIn. But in January, I did a post that was about my daughter, Liza. Um, it was her five year anniversary of her brain surgery. And I kind of wove in about a book I was re reading at the time about um, trans uh, life disruptions. And that was a more personal post for me. However, what it did was it struck a chord with a number of people and probably that post, I don't know right now, the last time I looked at had well over 7,500 views, a lot of comments and engagement on it. So it doesn't always, my point in talking about this is it doesn't always have to be about products and services. I don't want it to get too super personal and I kind of kept it at a certain level, but the post that I did originally uh, five years ago also had really, really high engagement. So we can let people get to know us a little bit, um, be mindful of, of the platform, you know, what you might put on Facebook may not go on LinkedIn. And I'll talk about that in a second. So if we want our network and our followers to engage, we have to put information and content that's interesting, compelling, something they can relate to and want to comment on. And I, I do suggest to our clients, I say, weave in, and I, I don't use the word personal, but more like celebratory posts about whether it's the company or, or things that are, are doing that are going to, they're going to get engagement. Um, people like that, that personal approach, but they still are professional. And actually, I'm going to jump into what you said about that, that, that piece there. LinkedIn, I, I do get a little frustrated when I see people are like, LinkedIn's business only making this comment because I'm like, well, one, you just now shared you commenting on this post that got you that uh, fired up that you had to make a comment that this isn't appropriate for LinkedIn. You just gave that post more engagement. So more people are going to see it. And the other thing there is you're wasting potentially being in front of your target audience with them seeing you commenting that as opposed to something else you did that uh, is important to your business. So you're not, LinkedIn is not just, it's very democratic when it they, they set up the algorithm. It's not just about power users. When they made the change in 20, it was 2018 um, with that algorithm, they want everyone to have the opportunity to get in front of people and they don't want to only reward power users. So if you're not that active on LinkedIn and you're spending your time being active, complaining about what other people are posting, that's what you're wasting uh, as a piece of content you could have put in front of your customer, whether they agree with it or not, they're going to see that you commented that as opposed to you commenting about um, some thought leadership in your industry or you, you, you putting something out there that actually shows that you're somebody that they should trust and, and do business with. Yeah, I think that that's a really great point. You know, I, of course, see lots of things on my feed that I'm like, mm, not so much, right? I just keep scrolling. And I, I tell that to clients all the time when they say, you know, there's so much stuff out there. Just just scroll by. It's it's like, don't wait, don't 
waste your brain space even like thinking about it. just keep going find the content that's valuable one of the things that we talk with clients about all the time and they're kind of like oh i didn't really think about that engage with other people's content so you want people to engage with yours how about being the initiator on that how about being the person that starts to comment on other people's content but saying something meaningful putting an at sign before their name so they actually know that you mentioned them. Very often we miss that opportunity. People are commenting on other people's content, but they're really, they're, they're not calling that out, that person or that company. And I think that that is just a slight nuance that makes a difference too. Yeah. Great point there. And it's, but doing it authentically, don't just do it because now I can get in front of like leveraging somebody else's post so you can get in front of them by putting a comment on there. Um, that's not, that's not what we're talking about here, but um, being a good steward on the um, platform and and making a comment that actually is meaningful. I just pulled up a I had bookmarked it the other day because I knew we were talking about followers, and I'm not I'm not going to talk about the the individual specifically, but the the article is how to get ten thousand followers on LinkedIn uh, in 2021 fast. And there's actually in the table of contents some really good tips on here. However, whenever someone's telling you to do it fast and skip it and get there quickly. You're not going to build that intentional network. Colleen, we're talking about your network that's been built over you testing and doing best practices for a decade. And in this article, the other thing that uh, if people notice on, on LinkedIn posts that are doing the, the phrase is called broetry, but these sentences with these huge gaps, really what that, if someone's advising that, a lot of people won't read those posts. They may see it. It may get engagement, um, but it, it can be frustrating for people. LinkedIn's actually looking out for those posts as as kind of spammy. What's working in those posts is the click is the clickbaity first line. It's not um, the actual content and structure of those posts. But the reason I'm bringing it up is this individual on his this article did these 51 tips, uh, but wrote the whole thing in poetry. So it takes about a half an hour to scroll through the entire <laughs> the entire page. So remember that when you're writing uh, content for LinkedIn, that people are on their phone, they're not spending a ton of time, and you don't want to frustrate them and have people unfollow you because it's, and I unfollow people all the time that uh, are doing certain things that I, instead of commenting, I just unfollow to clean up my feed. But you don't want to go into your LinkedIn one day and see you have 8,000 connections and only 4,000 people following you because you turned off 4,000 people um, but they didn't unconnect with you or, or disconnect with you um, there. So the, the lesson there is as long as you're authentic and you're putting out things that are helpful to others, you're going to do well. When you try to game the system, you're not going to do as well. And you're going to find that that balance of where people are actually actively unfollowing you. Yeah, I want to clarify this because this is actually a term I didn't know. So what I really rely on with Jim and my team of experts, and that's um, and I rely on them quite a bit, is sort of sometimes what's happening, right? I am not sometimes um, kind of heads down. I'm talking to clients. I'm training. I'm coaching. So there was a a post a, a few days ago. And, and I'll mention him because I have high regard for him, Andy Foote, um, out of Chicago. He wrote a piece on this, right, Jim? Was it Andy that he wrote, wrote it? A, he wrote a satirical um, Broetry post. It was, it was absolutely hysterical. But I, so Broetry's been around since 2017. 
Um, who knew? But who knew? Well, con- part of it is your your network's pretty intentional, and a lot of them have had you guide them on LinkedIn, so they're not doing broetry for the for that reason. Um, the first one I saw doing the broetry was a couple year, uh, probably a year and a half ago that I saw was doing a consistency was the the LinkedIn video guru Shay Robottom um, was doing the the broetry. And it's, I mean, you'll notice that it's all over LinkedIn, but it's, it's just not, it's not authentic. But Andy's post was, I mean, his stuff is hysterical. He, he basically did a, a fake broetry satire post that um, obviously got really good engagement because I, I follow his hashtag, but it was, it was pretty funny. Yeah. And somebody that we know commented on it. And that's how I saw it because I went in and she actually, I think, asked us a question about it. I think if I'm remembering correctly. I was like, hmm, I'm not even sure what this is. So, you know, kind of a couple of things I learned from that. Number one, to Jim's point, my network, uh, there are people in my network doing it. I see it. However, our clients who are CEOs, you know, pretty good sized companies, this is not what they're spending their time and focus on. And they probably wouldn't even be looking at something like that just because they're the CEO of the company and leadership. Some of the salespeople that we're training and working with, they might pay a little bit more attention. So you've got to know who's paying attention. If that's your audience and your audience likes that style, by all means. The other part though, and what Jim said, which I think is really interesting is you see it all over LinkedIn now. Well, if it's all over LinkedIn and it's a thing, then too much of that thing, now we need, the, what's the next thing, right? Like we try to keep our clients ahead of the curve, not stuck in the middle of the curve. So if you, you can test it, but um, just understand who your followers are and those connections and whether they would see that as relevant and interesting to pay attention to. Yeah, great point about the, the CEOs because we've probably interviewed across our team 500 uh 700 CEO, business owner, consultants over the past year and a half, if we're just looking at that period of time. And if I do the majority of the interviewing and I ask them, how do they use LinkedIn? Almost all of them are active on LinkedIn, but you wouldn't know that from their profile until we work with them, but they're active in the background. They're they're not engaging with content, but they're seeing content. They vet people on LinkedIn and they also are always in that stealth private mode when they're searching around. Every time I go in their settings to, to update that, it's a conversation around, and again, I'm generalizing as a whole, but it's a conversation around, oh, why are you in private? Well, I just like to kind of poke around and see what's going on LinkedIn, but I don't want everyone to know um, what I'm doing. So they're, they're using their phone, they're seeing what's going on, but they're not that, they're engaged, but they're not actively engaging. So you might think, oh, it doesn't matter that target audience isn't seeing it, but you could potentially be turning off a, a big client by doing some clickbaity type get get followers quick methodologies through LinkedIn, as opposed to just putting out good content. And being authentic, building that network. It's not about necessarily having a megaphone, but it is about being, as you said, a good steward on LinkedIn. So one of the things that I want us to accomplish with every episode of Standout on LinkedIn is to give everyone a truth, a tool, and a tip on today's topic. So today's topic being followers and vanity metrics. Jim, just identify one truth. We've given you some already, but let's just identify one right now. One of all, it's just be authentic. It, it's going to go a long way. Being inauthentic gets sifted out pretty quickly. 
and trying to to do things quickly to get around the system rather than just participating as a good steward. It's, it's authenticity is key when it comes to your following. Great tool. Tool. I would say, I, honestly, when it comes to to followings and and knowing that you who who is in your in your network and really understanding that it's just it's downloading your first level connections. Um, if you don't have a good idea, it's hard to navigate through LinkedIn unless you have Sales Navigator um, to quickly pull and sort that first level connection um, base. So go in there, download those, and then organize them in an Excel sheet and understand where your network is and how that fits your goals. And if it doesn't, what gaps do I need to find to fill that network um, the right way? Great. Tip? Tip would be don't go overboard. Um, minimum effective dose when it comes to content and following. Uh, you don't want don't to do something that is going to take up too much of your time. You want to be effective on the platform without adding a ton of time to your day because no matter what role you're in, you have a lot of things you should be delivering on. Um, and to sit here and uh, count and, and sort and stare at your computer for five hours about your network isn't going to get you where you need to be. So minimum effective dose, understand where you want to go, how to get there, but don't spend all day thinking about it. Awesome. Terrific. Thanks, Jim. We will be back with another episode of Standout on LinkedIn, Indispensable Truths, Tools, and Tips. We hope you take what we talk about here and apply it to your intention to stand out on LinkedIn. As always, great conversation. I'm Colleen, signing off until our next episode. Thanks for listening. Connect with us on LinkedIn, get to know us on LinkedIn, and on our website, interoadvisory.com. We have lots of valuable content, including Insight, our membership site, and more. We'd appreciate a shout out on your preferred channel, a review, or a comment on what you'd like us to discuss. You can listen in on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and other channels. Check out our tutorials on YouTube as well. Thanks very much for being a part of Stand Out on LinkedIn.